Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Hey, mírame cuando te hablo, pelotudo. Me vas a escuchar y me vas a escuchar bien por la primera vez en tu puta vida, forro. Complex post-traumatic stress disorder is complex. I have dear friends who live with forms of complex PTSD, but I can't pretend to fully understand it. I can listen and support. Megan Carana Fernandez is the bassist vocalist of Foxtails, a Connecticut band who fall into the scrams genre, a screamy, emotional hardcore sound that's a vehicle for pure expression. Megan lives with complex PTSD and came face-to-face with depression and depressive psychosis at a young age. She was first hospitalized when she was 14 and has been a mental health inpatient a total of nine times. Megan says punk has been a form of empowerment and source of healing despite discrimination against her as a non-binary person of color. Unfortunately, like the world at large, being treated with respect within the punk scene is something Megan has to fight for every day. That's one of the many reasons she screams so loud. Megan Nicole Galena Fernandez. I am the vocalist and bassist of the band Foxtails. I have had mental health struggles since a very early age. I really started battling with it when I was around eight years old, but I went into the system at around 14 years old and I've been seeking treatment ever since. You mentioned that you were struggling with this since you're quite young. When did you first realize that something was going on? I know a lot of folks, they have a hard time distinguishing between what we call quote-unquote normal and mental health condition. Right. I think one of the main things that stood out to me when I was younger was, it's a little funny looking back, but I really fit into the emo stereotype as a kid. And I was very much like grouped in with people and friends who had a lot of mental health struggles and that was something that we would talk about a lot there was also the fact that I was figuring out as a kid really I was really figuring out to what extent trauma had affected me in my life I was starting to figure out the effects and the way that it was showing itself I got hospitalized for the first time at 14 years old and I was hospitalized I think eight times more afterwards that happened throughout my adolescence and probably the first couple of things that stood out to me was just 
the fact that I was so, so, so it's always been depression for me. It's always been the main thing that shines through. Even when things were okay, even when I was doing okay, it was always this underlying depression. It was the low self-esteem. It was the feelings of wanting to self-harm and substance abuse just stemmed from this deep, deep depression that I've had ever since the symptoms started showing when I was eight, but I got hospitalized at 14. What led up to the hospitalization? Was there crisis that happened? Oh, yeah. So what happened essentially was my depression got so severe to the point where it became psychotic. And I started experiencing run-of-the-mill hallucinations, visual hallucinations, auditory hallucinations. I was going through delusions of persecution. Even looking back now, I look back at the psychotic symptoms and they all pretty much stem from that depressive state where I was just like, everybody hates me. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody, you know, everybody can tell exactly how terrible I am and I'm worthless. I'm useless. Da, 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 da. And it just basically spiraled into a point where it was so, 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 so severe. And at this point I was unmedicated. I had to go to the hospital more to the point where I had to tell my mom because I was 14 and I was in high school at the time and I was going to school in like an active psychotic episode, which was really rough. I was, I remember like the security cameras at the school would like freak me out and I was just going through all of that. And then I was in class one day and I had a sweater on and it was nearing the end of the school year and it was so hot and I had a bunch of self-harm wounds and the teacher noticed and I was sent to the social worker and then I was forced to speak to them. They called my mom and they were like, we noticed their self-harm wounds. We have to do an intake. We're obligated to report it. So when they did the intake, they were like, oh, yeah, you, you're not OK. We have to get to the hospital. A lot of people hear the word psychotic, think of the movie Psycho or something. And yeah. it's correlated with this idea, like a serial killer or something, which we in the mental health community know is not a thing. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to be in that psychotic state? especially in school and around your classmates and teachers? My depression gets to the point where it's so, 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 so low that it gets psychotic. With other people I've seen, it gets so, 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 so high that it gets psychotic. But for me, it was really alienating. It was really scary. It was really foreign. It sort of came to me all of a sudden, too. It was like little things would like build up here and there. One of the hallucinations that I had were of things that very well could have been real. Like, for example, like I would see rats on the floors. It started culminating to the point where I was seeing packs of rats. And I knew that that is horrifying. And I would like scream and I would like, my mom would come in and be like, what, what is going on? And then she'd be like, there's nothing. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And also just voices that I would hear, they were also very depressive in nature. They were very critical. Things that I would echo to myself, you know, like you're worthless, you're useless, and nobody likes you, everybody hates you. Can't you see that this is happening, this is happening, look at the way you look, you look terrible, just these constant depressive, and it came from a depressive state. And so when I was experiencing it, thankfully, once I was medicated at that point in my in my life, I didn't experience that severe of a psychotic episode again because I had been medicated continuously. And I only had very minor symptom relapse in terms of the psychosis because I would start to recognize when my depression would start to get that severe again. I was able to avoid it for the most part, thankfully. But experiencing at that time and being so 
in it was very scary, very isolating, alienating. I felt very like there, there's no way that I can even tell this to anybody. Isolation, alienation. I've heard those words a lot through my interviews for the book and the podcast. A lot of punks turned to the punk scene because they felt out of place, outsiders. Was that your experience? So it's funny because my experience in the punk scene was that, yes, it's funny. If I think about it, really, I sort of think to myself, it was something that I always wanted to do. I always loved punk. I always loved alternative music. I was always weird. And that was kind of just like a thing. And I didn't really care. You know, when I started Oxtails, I was sort of like, this is just one other weird thing of the many weird things that I do. I'm a weirdo. So I'm going to do this, you know, like that type of thing, especially because I've had experiences in the scene most of the time when I was younger, where I actually felt like an outsider in an outsider scene. So that was extra confusing and difficult. Tell me more about that. Marginalized folks, for the most part, I think are accepted into punk scenes, depending on the scene. I'm obviously the kind of bro down hardcore scene. It's going to be really, really tough. But I know the DC scene and other scenes like Olympia, very accepting of all folks, especially marginalized folks. It sounds like you had a lot of struggles with that. When we started playing shows that were outside of Connecticut, I noticed myself, oh, I can be more myself. There's more people who look like me here. There's more people, you know, who are definitely vibing with me, who feel me like, who understand and things like that. Especially when I was younger and I was, I didn't identify as non-binary back then. So I was just a young brown girl in the scene that was dominated at the time in Connecticut, middle-aged white men or like not even middle-aged like maybe like 20s 30s when we first started foxtails i was 15 16 and we were playing shows i was in my teens playing these shows and i would notice myself constantly objectified tokenized a lot of times it was i felt like i liked being on stage because i could do whatever i wanted and it could completely destroy people's image, people's theory uh, of what I might be on stage because there were a lot of people who looked at me and would be like, oh, she's probably in the cute voice and she's going to be very... And I did have a very sweet singing voice, but I also would scream. people especially with the name foxtails because it was feeding into the stereotype of just like a cute indie band but that's not what it was so i would get into stage and i would start screaming my lungs out and people would be like this is not what i expected 
maybe two years within like us first playing shows, we got kicked out of a venue because they were expecting me to be very sweet. And it was a restaurant. It was like a pizzeria like <laughs> restaurant. And, like, oh yeah, like it's totally gonna be mellow and cool for the patrons. It's gonna be super soothing. And I'm just like <laughs> on the stage. And they're just, oh no, we need to kick this person out. We need to kick this band out. Like get off the stage. They were just like, get off get off the stage and they like turned off the sound which was so funny people had this idea and this image of what I was supposed to sound like what I was supposed to be and I've always been the type to break that and then at one point I was barred from venues because I was speaking about black issues I was I I was there was a lot of people who were like anonymously harassing me over the internet and at one point I was getting death threats the scene as a whole, is pretty accepting. And they have these ideals and these values that are absolutely accepting of marginalized people. But people, they have these ideals and they uphold these values, but their actions don't match. They say one thing, but they do another. Punk is supposed to be the safe place. I think that it is, but obviously I come from a much different place than you do. I guess I'm wondering how you feel about punk rock scene versus what you see in the outside world. I'm using lots of air quotes today. The outside world. Is there a difference there for you? There is a difference, but it's similar in nature sometimes. Being just who I am walking through America, there are things that I notice in anybody who has an internalized bias, I can detect it immediately. And the punk scene is not immune to those internal biases and these unconscious biases, as much as we want to believe that they might be freer of these things, they're not because it is inherent in the culture of America, unfortunately. In the punk scene, I've found that people are more willing to learn. There tends to be more accountability, at least from what I've seen in recent years. But I think that when it comes to issues of race and issues of misogyny in the punk scene, they definitely carry parallels to the outside world because I don't think that any one community is necessarily immune to it. Even even the communities who experience these things are not immune to those internal and those unconscious biases. There are some people who have done a lot of damage not only to my reputation as a person but also to my mental health when i was growing up music was everything that i had this band writing music even still to this day it's my passion it's everything that i live for i pour every single ounce of emotion and turmoil and catharsis and everything that i can possibly put into it i put into it and knowing that there were people behind the scenes waiting to see me come down and try to knock me down purely because they had these internal ideas and beliefs about what kind of person I was. A lot of it was centered around misogyny and racism. And that is something that I notice now much more clearly over the years. I am seen as a woman of color walking through America and I get shit for it left and right because I get the misogyny and I get the racism and it's a very complex issue and it shows up in numerous different ways. And so I sort of take that complexity 
and I am able to put it into the lyrics because one thing that I'm very proud of personally with my lyric writing is that it tends to be cryptic. What I really like is that a lot of people of all different walks of life can relate. The common emotion is suffering. People, although they may not have lived the life that I've lived, they can feel that and they can read it and they can see it and hear it in my voice. Most people can read these things and feel that same catharsis that I feel that I that I hope for others to feel when listening or when reading. That's very important to me. And it's not even a conscious thing that I do. It just sort of is. With the suffering and these concepts you're talking about, how does it feel to let those things out? It's everything. If I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be. I chose punk. I chose Remo because of the way that I grew up, you know, just sort of find a bunch of these really heavy sounding, like just cut wrenching, you know, and I went through the hardcore side. I went through the screamo side. I went to the punk side. I went old punk, new punk. I went everywhere, everywhere that you can think of. And it was something that also informed me in growing up and feeling the feelings of other people through their music bands with other voices of color, femme voices. That is something that also was very inspirational to me growing up. I can do that too. It's the inspiration of other people that bring me to where I am. Because I think that had I not been exposed to Screamo, had I not been exposed to punk and heavy music in general, I would have found a different outlet and I probably wouldn't have been very successful because I think that punk and screamo is especially a unique art form in that anything can be expressed anything can be expressed in any way that you want it and people will like it or people won't like it but you can always do what you want to do because that is the nature of the genre the genre is catharsis the genre is suffering and and triumph and and moving and grieving and all, everything, everything having to do with human emotion that is punk, that is screamo, and especially politics too. Politics is a part of punk. When you are putting your heart on your sleeve and you're talking about things like mental health, you're talking about things like suffering and grief and agony and torture and turmoil and things like that, it's political because a lot of the time in society and in the outside world with normal ass people, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable to a lot of people. Everybody's going to think you're weird or there's a lot of pushback towards these expressions of emotion. A lot of the time people are more comfortable with just hiding a lot of this and, and just sort of pretending that it's very quiet and that people go through their suffering alone in silence and they just sort of get through it. And I think that that is damaging. It's very damaging. And I think that the genre of punk is inherently political for that reason, because it is going against a societal ideal that you need to subdue yourself in order to be acceptable to other people. And I take that to the max personally. I take that in, into my heart and into my soul. So that's why when I do music, when I'm writing my lyrics and I'm performing with my voice and with my instrument, I do whatever the fuck I want because that is the core of punk. It's being unapologetic about being an outsider, about being what people don't deem as acceptable. The personal is the political. Exactly. 
You mentioned before about living with complex PTSD. How does that look for you? It's a complex picture. I learn something new every day. I learn something about myself, the way that I present myself, the way that I feel my feelings, the way that I show myself to people, the way that I relate to other people, the way that my relationships go, the way that I form friendships, the way that I communicate, everything has sort of a little twist to it because of complex trauma. I don't know about that sentiment of it happened for a reason and now it made me a better person. I I don't think it happened for a reason. I think just life fucked me up, but I can take that and not drown. I can take that and feel what I need to feel and go through what I need to go through and deal with it accordingly and be able to share that with people, be able to go through my treatment, be able to talk to my therapist, be on the right medication. But also I just think of it as a learning process because I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly learning about the ways that it affects me. And I try not to let it dictate what I think about myself. I try not to, because with complex trauma, it has a tendency with a lot of people and it's not, it's, it's so understandable. It's so valid where a lot of people will feel consumed by it. And they feel that everything that they think about is trauma and everywhere they look, everything they do, everything they are is a product of trauma. And sometimes I feel that way, but I try to remind myself that although I came from a foundation of trauma, that I've still grown into my own person. I've still grown into my identity. I still am who I am because this is how I was destined to be. And not only that, but because of the personal work and efforts that I've put into myself and the therapy that I've gone through, the the treatments that I've gone through is just, I had this will to live. And despite my deepest depressive episodes, despite wanting to die, despite trying to die, there was something I feel like either it was my subconscious or it was God or something out there that just kept me here. And that's something that I think about too. That's something that I consider is, is just, you know, if I were meant to be dead, I think I would be by now with all the shit that I've tried. So when I think about complex trauma, I just think of it as learning now rather than a destiny or rather than a way of being rather than who I am. I just think of it as informing who I am rather than being who I am. I was watching one of the videos. I like the music and I was getting into it and all of a sudden the screams came out. I was like, yes, this is for me. This is, yeah. this is my jam. <laughs> you mentioned being in the restaurant and people just being freaked out. Where do those screams come from? Because I know a lot of people, it just happens. What's happening emotionally when those screams come out? The screams came from a place of frustration with my own perfectionism. That was what initiated that desire for me. But then as I kept writing lyrics and I kept writing these songs, I noticed that they took on a lot of storytelling. One of the things in my life is that I've had a lot of displays of breakdowns and I've had mental breakdowns, not even like musical breakdowns, but in real life I've had like mental breakdowns. All the breakdowns. Yeah, exactly. Why don't I encompass that into the music? You know, if I'm telling a story and I'm telling it like I would tell my life story, 
at some point I'm going to have a breakdown. At some point I'm going to cry and scream and yell and be frustrated and want to convey that to whoever I'm speaking to, if I trust them enough, at least in real life. But when I think about it in the music, it's sort of like a journal. The music is like a diary. I can say, do, emote, whatever I feel is right in that moment and not be afraid of that judgment. I love screaming. I love screaming, but I love doing it in a way that is placed. I love doing it in context of telling a story. And I think that that is one of the things that just fascinates me about Screamo is because a lot of fans, a lot of artists that I truly love, they'll scream as their main form of expression, which is cool, dope. I love that. Personally, I think about to complex trauma and I think about how I communicate that as well. It's all over the place, you know? So at some points I'm singing, at some points I'm talking, at some points I get frustrated and I start yelling and then I start screaming at the top of my lungs. At some points I'm crying, at some points I'm okay. And then I start singing. It came from a place of knowing that I can embody any emotion that I want through my voice. I can do that. There is no limit to what I can do with that. So that's where it came from originally. I asked Justin Pearson of The Locust when he was on the podcast, about processing trauma and how punk rock, I believe, is a way of doing that. And I think he said, I don't know if I'm processing trauma, I'm processing everything. Mm. I'm wondering how you feel about putting the pieces back together and what part the screaming and writing the music, playing the shows plays in that. With Foxtails, there are so many twists and turns to the sound. There are so many complexities and so many puzzle pieces and parts that you think are not going to fit together until you hear the next part and then that's sort of the nature too and I agree with that sentiment so much is I don't know if I'm processing the trauma I think I'm just processing everything and it's true when I pour myself into the music it's not just the trauma it's not just struggle and misery although that is a, a very powerful and forward emotion it's it very placed in front but there are other complexities to my identity to the identity of everybody else in foxtails and it's all encompassed into the way that we play the music and i think that that is very unique i think it's very special because we all sort of have our own voices in the music it's like john has a very very unique style of playing guitar they don't sound like anyone else Same with Mike on the drums. I know that it's him. He doesn't sound like anyone else. It's like we all speak with our instruments and these conversations can be flowing and they can be gentle and they can be beautiful or they can be funny, ironic at times, or they can be really heavy and they can be really confusing, jarring all over the place. I think all of these emotions are embodied into the music that we make. And I think that's a very beautiful thing.
Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Yeah,